Welcome everyone back to the MatchNet podcast. It's your girl. I mean, not me. I'm I'm your boy. Hey guys, it's your boy. It's Benji and Kathy. We are piggybacking off. How you doing, Kathy? By the way, I'm good. Thank you. We were just talking about what, Benji. We we were just talking about what to talk about, and I was asking Kathy what's on her heart because I want to. You know, she's the she's the missing ingredient. This podcast. She's the specialty. She's a she's one in a million, one in four hundred trillion. And we don't want to talk about what I want to talk about because that's boring old Benji. We want to talk about what Kathy wants to talk about because she is the the secret sauce. So she she uh, started talking about uh, reviving masculinity and femininity, revive. And we got a lot of good feedback, right, Kathy, from the last yeah. two episodes that we talked about true masculinity and femininity. If you mm-hmm. haven't watched those yet, you are missing out. Probably one of my favorite episodes. And um, so this is piggyback- piggybacking off of that to address the question, not identify like, okay, there is a problem. We don't know what true masculinity femininity is as a culture, as a collective trend. So now we're going to identify how we're going to do this, Kathy. Mm-hmm. How are we going to revive masculine and femininity? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yes. you were just... And so I just turned on the turn on the recording and said, we're gonna talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> because uh apparently you guys like talking about this stuff and, and Kathy and I obviously do as well. So um Kathy, could you share it with us this journey you've been on that you were just sharing with me, you know? And you you and your yeah. husband have been have Yeah, been I'd be happy to. Um okay, so as you guys know, the topic in the past few episodes we've done together, Benji and myself, has been on masculinity and femininity. And this topic has always been intriguing because the beauty of our movement that true parents have brought forward is that men and women are different, but we have the same value. And I think in the outside world, they that kind of gets lost. And I feel like true parents have revived that in the way they have operated um, in their roles. And now we have a strong woman leader, you know, which is our true mother. Um, so, um, a couple of years back, I want to say a couple, uh, may, maybe 2020, beginning of 2021, actually, um, a few years ago, I started following this gentleman, um, on social media. His name is Brendan Schmidt and his, his account is called Masculine Revival. And what drew me to that is that, uh, is the fact that, you know, as someone who's involved in a blessed family realm, preparing young people for the matching and blessing, I thought it was crucial that we understand ourselves first as a true man and as a true woman before we get involved in a relationship with a future spouse. And the content that he was sharing was almost revolutionary in, in any sphere, whether it's in the secular world or here in our, you know, in a faith-driven world that we operate in. And um, and he was sharing that, you know, growing up in his teens, he he grew up almost without a father. Um, he grew basically without a father. He grew in, he grew up, he was conceived out of, actually out of wedlock. He was the result of a, of an affair. You know, this is someone outside of a church. Um, his mom was asked, you know, um, to actually take him out, to take him out of the picture when they were together, but she decided to keep him. So he grew up with this sense of, of um of a loss that he never grew up with a father and his dad didn't come into the picture until he was 16. So his whole life he kept thinking, if I was good enough, would my dad come see me? Um, if I was just better as a person, would he love me? 
And this really translated into my experience with young men and women, actually within our within our movement. Um, you know, a lot of second gen have experienced the pain of not having a present father or mother because so much of the first generation's lives have been of sacrifice, meaning they would they would leave for periods of time and their children would have um, you know, absent parents, even though they were in the in their lives, they weren't, you know, involved emotionally um, or even physically at some periods. Um, so I do have a lot of friends who feel like the wounds go deep when it comes to not having this relationship with their mom or with their dad. They feel that now that they're grown, they have to almost make up for that, but they don't know what that looks like. So they're craving um, a parental figure in their life. Um, so this is kind of where um, I realized that the young adults in our in our movement, um, those who have had you know experiences of an absent parent in their life, um, almost has this wound that is so deep that it's hard for them to let go. But I feel like at a certain time, especially before you have children, it's so important to start that act of forgiveness to your parents. Like, what does that even look like? How do you take that step forward? Um, but I really think if there was ever a time in your life to start that forgiveness journey, it should be when you have children, you know, when you start having kids, I feel like you really need to start making amends with that, with that type of path that you've had or that relationship with your parents, because you really don't want to transfer that to your kids. And I think your kids need to actively see your efforts to mend that relationship um, as 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 an example um, in their parents. So that's kind of where my journey has kind of taken me when it comes to the fatherlessness or the or the motherlessness um, aspects. Yeah. And so how has this impacted your husband in particular? Yeah. So um, so my husband, so he actually joined this men's group through this account that I was sharing mm -hmm. with you. Um, and it's because I feel like um, as men, you know, I talk, I talk a lot about my, my women friends and it's very easy for us to openly share, to be vulnerable, right? Or that's the trendy word now. That's why I said quote unquote. Mm -hmm. um, but for men, I feel like um, it's very hard for them to get to that level without a sense, you know, uh, without having to like joke about it to make things like feel a little less awkward. I don't know, Benji, I, I don't know if that's the same with you. Um, but for some men, um, especially here in our community, so our community of, of friends groups here, uh, I was sharing with another one of my friends. Um, he's a VC here in South Florida. Um, the for some reason, when guys get together, when someone tends to go deep, it, it, it's like it, it, you can go there for a second, but then it's almost like if you touch up on the, on the ego or, or, or someone yeah. can't really handle the certain ego, topics. The ego comes up. The, exactly. The then they up. back up. And then they kind of start like to jab like certain jokes. And then it kind of goes nowhere of like getting into the deeper connection with that person um so so with my husband he really wanted to kind of break that barrier you know we just moved here he wanted to create like deep meaningful relationships especially in his own life he really doesn't connect with his dad his journey right now is that his father has been absent in a way that he was never emotionally capable of of connecting with my husband even till now so where my husband is at and through this group Every single day, if his goal is not to make amends with his dad completely, but his goal is at the end of the day, he wants to ask himself, 
do I forgive him more today than I did yesterday? And if the answer is yes, then he feels like he's moving in that right direction. So for him, it's really understanding that I'm in the role of that father in my home now. I can't have that relationship with my dad and, you know, with him wishing he was better, things could have been different. You know, my dad is my dad now. And what are, and obviously we can't change the person he is um, immediately, right? We all know that it's the work starts with us. So I think he's coming to terms that he needs to have this heart of forgiveness and, and letting go of that resentment and just see his dad as, you know, as someone who also didn't have that example in his life and being able to see the good that he did. So my, so my dad and sorry, my so my husband and the way that he processes these things, mm-hmm. um, he was able to kind of see. So his dad was absent, but not for selfish reasons, right? His dad thought he was actually providing for his family. His dad thought what he was doing was for the good of the family. It wasn't like he was kicking back, hitting the casino, was hitting the bar, you know. What he was doing, he really thought was for the good of his family. And so because of that, my my husband could start the forgiveness step. Understand and see where he's coming from. Correct. Yeah. Got it. Yeah, I'd like to share a bit. Thank you for sharing that uh, about your husband's journey through masculinity, through you finding a masculinity social media account. (laughs) I know. <laughs> I wonder you know, what I have, to, huh? I have to commend him because I feel like not a lot of husbands, maybe you can, Benji, but I feel like a lot of not a lot of husbands can take that from their wife saying, hey, honey, I think you need to work on this. You should join this group. <laughs> I'm just imagining my, my wife like turning to me in bed and be like, you should, this guy I'm following, he really knows how to be a man. And me being like, okay, <laughs> I'm following this woman. And she can teach you how to be a, a woman. Let's trade. <laughs> let's trade information. Oh, it's beautiful. I wonder what percentage of his followers are just like wives. You know, it's so funny because I feel like eighty percent are women. <laughs> you go, brother. You go, man. Yeah, man. It speaks. It speaks to some something deep in people's hearts for sure. That's cool. I'm just, I think it's funny. I have no horse in this race. I'm just, I'm just amused by you guys. You're like, <laughs> you guys are like the, the, the counterpart in our multiverse. Like if, if we were in another universe, I would be like you. Cause if, if you follow our lives, like you and me, Kathy, it's like, we've both gone through this process of leaning into our roles more, more and learning that we were kind of swinging maybe too much on the other way not maliciously or consciously, but through our blessings and our marriage, it's, we learned how to balance each other and how to play more, lean more heavily into our role as a man or woman. Yeah. And it's not a story arc that is common mm-hmm. for a lot of people. A lot of people don't make it past that because you have the alpha females who are like, go, 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 hustle, hustle, hustle. And then they turn 30, 40 years old and they're like, okay, I want children. It's like, it's significantly harder to find right. someone and to marry. That's extremely common. Right. Yeah. And you have the men, obviously, that we've been talking about who are just sheepish and unwilling to take responsibility and just pushing it off out of fear. And so we've both had to swing and grow in our own senses, not to say that we're flawless at all, mm-hmm. but we have learned significant things and we're just kind of sharing that. So, uh, yeah, I appreciate you sharing about your husband. Um, 
I'm curious about you as well. I, I want to share some things about my journey in masculinity uh, and my dad, which I don't think I've talked about here on the podcast at all. I don't think so. I don't think so. Not with me, at least. <laughs> no, I haven't. Uh, so my relation, and I'm saying this because I hesitantly, because I know that he, there's a large chance he will listen to this, mm -hmm. right? And it's my experience. It's my perception of life. The interesting thing about being children is that our, as soon as we realize that the perception we have is our perception, it frees up a lot of liberation in us because you can have two people in the same family, two siblings, two brothers, same family, same environment, same school, same parents, but have completely different outcomes and outlooks mm -hmm. on their parents. Here's a real example. My wife and her, her sisters, siblings, completely different views on their parents and the movement, the church. Mm. Her, her si sisters, not to get into details, mostly, you know, kind of frustrated. Resent there's resentment there. They're blessed. Mm. They are blessed. But there's an undertone of resentment towards their parents and the church, right? Mm. My parents didn't take care of me. They went to Brazil, Jardim, and left us alone at home. All these stories mm. come out, right? My, my wife, same family, same parents. My wife's perspective on her on her parents is mm -hmm. I'm grateful that they spent any time with me. Mm -hmm. I'm grateful that I could just have my dad say hello to me in the morning. Wow. That's her perspective. How is that possible? Yeah. It's because our perception is everything. Mm -hmm. My wife is just grateful that she could spend any time with her parents, even though they were busy, mission, et cetera. No money. She's just grateful that she sometimes received presents. She's grateful that she sometimes received hugs from her mother when she was only when she was a child. She mm -hmm. remembers a few times receiving hugs. How is that possible? It's perception. It's gratitude. And just like you were saying about your husband and his relationship with father, it's all perception, how we perceive things. It is our non-objective, our subjective opinion about somebody. And as soon as we realize that, number one, nobody is flawless. Everyone is God's child and it's our perception of things. Then it frees up the liberation in our minds to go, oh, like, why isn't it, why is it reasonable to assume that my parents would be perfect? Mm -hmm. Of course, of course, <laughs> like look at human history, you know, yeah. every generation we're getting a little bit better, I think, in my opinion. Yeah. And if you look at parenting from like a thousand years ago, it looked very different. And hopefully we're going in, in a direction where every generation we're getting better and better and better in parenting. Mm -hmm. But if you go all the way back to like Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, all that, it's like, there's a lot of stuff that came out because of the fall, because of human history. There is probably, you know, there's a comedian, Jim Gaffigan, uh, who I love. He does a book called That Is Fat. I recommend it. And he makes this that joke and he says, he says, my, my goal is just to be a better parent than my parents were. Mm -hmm. And my parents were not great, but they were probably better than their their parents. And my grandparents were probably better, better than their parents. And it probably goes all the way back to parents just eating their children. <laughs> and his point is like, we're progressing as humanity and we should celebrate that. We should learn what we can from our parents and we should inherit those and try to not pass on the negatives, not with disdain or distraught or disappointment or anger, resentment. It's understanding. It's understanding. My parents did the best they could with what they had. They had a lot of pain. They did what they could. They were not flawless. And that's what it is. Okay. So 
I can share a bit about my dad, but I kind of want to hear from you as well. I'll just pass it back to you. Um, yeah, I thank you, Benji. I really, I really like that joke, but what you took away from it, I think it's so relevant. And I think that's the underlying factor here. And it's so funny you bring this up about your 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 wife. I mean, it's not funny, but it's intriguing to me because I think about that all the time. In a family of six kids, you know, like our relationship with the church, how we view our parents, three of us are more on the positive side and three of us are a little bit more on the uh, things going to be better side. And I'm like, how? Same tradition, same content, same amount of love. Why we think, you know, we all understand our parents loved us, but how does that happen? Um, but the ability to practice gratitude and appreciation, despite whatever those factors are and understanding, like what you said, your parents do the best they can because they're also learning from imperfect people, you know, like they don't, they didn't have that example. And we like to think they had true parents, an example, but true parents also had, you know, the whole world that they were trying to rescue at this time. So it's, um, it's a really it's a really interesting concept how this happens in families. And I really think it's helpful to understand and see from our parents' perspective and why they were doing the things and understand truly that their intentions were in the right place. Um, if they truly were, you know, um, I have to, I have to admit, I have nothing but incredible appreciation for, for parents, uh, you know, especially like, you know, your parents and your, your wife's parents who did those times, you know, to sacrifice, no one wants to leave their child. I really don't think so. I really think um, during those times, they thought that it was the best course so that we could have the best in our family. And maybe it turned out great, maybe it didn't, but I think to, to practice understanding um, is, is a really important um, concept when you're in this road to forgiveness or understanding your parents or or understanding why they you you grew up without their presence um so yeah so I wanted to to thank you for that for me um you know I I, I feel blessed that my parents I feel like I had a lot of of love and and um and my parents are I feel like they tried their best to be present I have my own resentments you know but I I feel for the most part that they were able to show me a good enough example um, uh, so my heart is really to understand those who grew up with that, you know, dynamic in their family, um, because I, I still feel that in every situation, regardless of how you were raised, I think it's super important that we practice, I guess, um, this ability to be present, not just in the physical aspect, but also understanding. Because I think my 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 family, we were very much present, but the disconnect sometimes is really understanding emotionally where every child is at. And I think the more kids you do have, the, the more challenging it becomes because every child is different. And I want to learn better how to do that because, you know, the way my parents raised me is oftentimes the, the prototype and then, you know, sometimes if you're the older child, you 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 don't get the perfect, you know, way of dealing with your parents or, you know, you're they're kind of practicing how to how to raise someone and how to love this child. And then the more children you have, it's like you're learning from that. So maybe maybe the difference is also however many children are in that family and how each how the parent is learning how to love each child differently or, or the same. 
I don't really know. I would love to understand how that that how that dynamic. Yeah, there's there's definitely something to say about birth order. There's an, there's entire study done on effects on birth order, right? First oh, child versus really? the sixth child. There's also like I mean the the baseline of what I'm hearing you saying is experience. Like everyone has a different experience. Correct. Like different incidences, traumas, specific life experiences. Even though the overall environment is the same, there are mm -hmm. certain things like maybe some one kid will go to GOP for a year to create a study. It's like, that's a massive difference in life experience, right? right? And then there's right. university. You grow up, you go separate ways, different work environment, different countries, different universities, mm -hmm. and then you form different experiences. So mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I, I agree hundred um, percent. It's just interesting. Like we're talking about the perception is so interesting. And the point of gratitude is really I don't know. I guess some people have it. Some people don't. There is a curiosity I have in my heart right now as we're talking to understand what is it that, how do we foster that in people and children? You know, how do we foster that in our own kids, in our own lives, like in ourselves? I think the people that listen to this podcast are they're like, they're going to make it, you know, if you're listening to this far in the podcast and you're following us, it's like, you're going to be fine. You're going to make it, you know, because you have the quality of, of wanting to grow, wanting to learn, wanting to improve. You're not arrogant and saying, oh, I know everything. Everyone's wrong. You're not that if you're listening to this. So um, how is it that some people have this desire to grow and be curious? And how is it that some people are just like, nope, everyone's wrong. I'm right. I was talking with a guy, uh, few days ago who was an atheist right we we're having this conversation and he's like and this was like in a group of uh like religious people too faithful uh -huh. people and he was basically like you're all wrong and i'm right there's no afterlife and there's no god and i was like so you're saying you you have concluded at the bright young age of 30 years old that everyone is crazy and you're right <laughs> most of human history and billions of people throughout the world are crazy and you're right. And you mm -hmm. decided to live your entire life like that with no curiosity at all. It seems arrogant. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? It mm -hmm. seems a little bit on the arrogant side. So I confronted him with that. And I was like, that's kind of a big conclusion to come to. Mm -hmm. uh, can't you be a little bit open to like, maybe not everyone's insane. Anyways, so that aside, this is a curiosity to me to figure out like, how do we foster that in ourselves, a sense of curiosity? And also in our kids and people around us, right? Right. I can share. Do you have any comments on that? No, other than I would love to understand that myself. If you mm -hmm. if you have an answer to that, let me know. <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea. Well, here's the know. thing, Kathy. We have good parents. Yeah. That's what I was thinking when you were saying. We have good parents. Mm -hmm. uh, they, in the sense that they wanted to do their best. And they were willing to be humble. I don't know your parents actually, but I'm willing to bet that they're humble enough to say, I I'm I need to learn more. Like I gotta do better. And I made a mistake. And that's a quality that some people have and some people don't. And because we have parents like that, we're privileged actually. It's a massive privilege we have, advantage even, that we have good parents. A lot of the people in the world just don't have, they don't have it. Like the fatherless, fatherlessness we're talking about, they just don't have a father. They don't have a mother. And so they're not privileged. They don't have that blessing to be able to see themselves clearly, 
And when you don't have that, you're missing something fundamental to human life, which is love. Like think about this from a principal perspective. What is the most important thing from the beginning of God's creation to the end of life? Mm -hmm. It's the love we experience. It's God's love. It's the only thing. It's the only thing that matters. I'll state that it's the only thing. Long-term speaking, it's the only thing that matters. And if you deprive a child of that feeling of like, oh, I'm loved unconditionally, then they're just lost. There's nothing. There's no purpose. There's nothing that they're living for because everything is confusing. Everything is just like, I don't know what's important. I have no idea. God's not real because I've never experienced it. Obviously, you don't think God's real because you've never felt it. You've never felt loved. It's tragedy. Yeah. It's a freaking tragedy. It's, the, it's, in my opinion, the greatest tragedy in humanity is that we don't know that we're loved. We know intellectually, yes, God loves me. I know God loves me. God made me creation and, and dogs and cats and nature. And Okay, here's the thing. If you really knew that deep in your heart, you would never feel any sense of entitlement, ingratitude, anger, frustration mm -hmm. towards your parents. You would not. If you really knew. Here's the thing, though. We know intellectually we're loved, but the hardest thing in the world is to know it, to feel it. Mm -hmm to emotionally know it in our hearts. And if you deprive that from someone's life to the extent that it's being deprived because of all of us collectively, not everyone's fault, we're all doing this, then people can't see themselves clearly. And all they mm -hmm. see is, wow, religion is wrong. My parents are wrong. Your parents are wrong. Blessing's not real. God's not real. Spirit world is BS. Afterlife doesn't exist. I'm right. The only thing that's important is making money, having a good time. Yeah. Life is short, you might as well live it. That's the default if you don't experience God. The default living is, this is what's important. This, what the internet's telling me is important, that's what I'm gonna strive for. Making money, hustling, living an enjoyable life. Family, marriage, that's hard. Why would I do that? Why would I get married and have children? That is hard, that sounds terrible. <laughs> Think about it like that. Why is it that we are like, Mine, our number one priority, marriage, have a family, teach them good things. And then right. others' number one priority is like run away as far as I can from that. How is that possible? Uh -huh. It's because our, Kathy, I'm speaking with, for you. Let me know if I'm wrong. Our priority is we want to grow. Mm -hmm. We want to experience God. And so if you put that frame on life, it's like my priority is growth. Of course, children make sense. Of course, marriage. Because I want to grow. That's what I want, baby. Help me grow, God. Throw a man at me. I'll take it. Throw a woman at me. I'll take it. I'll grow. Children, easy. I'll do that because that's what I want. Because I'll experience God. That's what I want. But if you throw the filter of the most important merit thing in my life is having a good time, which is a lot of people's number one priority. If that's your number one priority in life, of course, no children. Of course, not marriage. Of course, living in my camper van with my dog until I'm 40 years old. And then I'll think maybe, oh, I'm lonely. Now I'm lonely because I spend my entire 20s and 30s making money and being happy, quote unquote. Yeah. Of course, because that's what's important to you. I'm not here to judge. I'm here to put perspective that I don't think an important pursuit in life is happiness. Mm -hmm. An important pursuit is growth. And as a result, we experience happiness mm -hmm. from that. We experience satisfaction. I worked hard for something. It was hard. I attained it. 
I'm raising children. People are always like, I don't understand the, the value of raising children. There's no ROI. People talk about this like it's a freaking investment. Seriously, like people on the internet that, I, that like I follow, like business sad. people, you know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, you know, children, I don't understand. There's no ROI. It doesn't make sense logically. That's because you don't, you don't care about growing. Like, <laughs> of course it's hard. That's, that's it. You know what I'm saying? And you don't have to have children if you don't want to. That's your life. I'm sorry to say your entire lineage will be evaporated from planet Earth. It will be raptured from planet Earth because of your decisions. And that's your life. I love you. It's just sad mm -hmm. and unfortunate. Okay. Benji's going to get off the soapbox, the high horse, for just a second. I told you <laughs> I would talk about my dad a little bit. I'm still like teasing that. And I will. <laughs> but this is just, yeah. Go ahead. No, thank you. I... That was really very good insight, Benji. You know, I think that's that's gotta be at least the road to finding an answer. <laughs> I really think you described it very well. The difference between wanting to grow and 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 not and just being comfortable. You know, um, I think it's so amazing because that you bring that up because I was pondering this exact content uh, after Sunday service. the The title of our Sunday service this past Sunday was God or No God. And I think we always forget that as human beings, we're always constantly in the middle, right? We're always um, uh, by being being claimed by God and Satan at the same time. And those who want to grow are always being pulled by God. When we follow that route, we feel God's love. We want to continue to follow that path. And those who are in the middle are just comfortable. They they don't they they want to sit in that middle. They're comfortable serving both masters. They think they're doing good, but yet they want to also feel you know the external uh, benefits of fun and enjoyment, and you know and they want to revel in that a little bit. And um and I think when we say the term we outgrow situations, we outgrow people is because at some point we understand that yeah this is fun, but my priority is actually feeling this unconditional love that God has for me. So we tend to want to sway towards the, the children, the family, those without a, an ROI. I think that's funny mm -hmm. that you said, say it that way, but the return of investment is really that incredible love that you cannot get mm -hmm. from the fun and the excursions. When you, it's, you know, I have the most fun in my life when I spend it with my family. You know, I'm one of those where I, I, I don't really know a lot. If I could go and take my family with me and have a great time, that's where I feel the most value out of my time. So um, that was very well put. Thank you for that insight. Mm. <sighs> yeah, I'm preaching to the choir here. You, I know you get it. <laughs> <laughs> I know you get it. And I appreciate that you aren't feeling like I'm preaching to you. I And I and I appreciate that. <laughs> it's like, I'm learning. I'm actually learning. This, this is very this good insight. Is, this stuff is on my heart. Like, Yes. It's... <laughs> constant and insidious I, mm -hmm. I learned about myself i have been i'm a, i'm an astute observer of culture and people i'm always watching people good bad and ugly all of it. with the with the lens of everyone's god's child and everyone's worthy of love and grace but i look at everyone everywhere around me everyone i meet and i observe and so i am always thinking about what can i learn from this person this environment this culture and how can i teach it and that's that's my heart. Like, I will always think about how how I can teach better and make lessons and uh, portray information in a way that's bite sized and understandable. And I'm always trying to improve. I'm always trying to. So 
I appreciate that you and the listeners here are willing to be a recipient of my, uh, my, my heart and my true, true heart, my true nature. I have definitely reserved a lot of my feelings about stuff. And I feel like these conversations, uh, the reasons I, I like these conversations about male and female is because it allows me to be true to what I really believe, you know? Mm. And, um, yeah, I, I mean, I feel like I'm 90% comfortable to share stuff that is going on in my heart, you know? And I think that's everyone actually, <laughs> if you're really honest with yourself, not everyone is comfortable to say a hundred percent of what they're thinking. Like truly yeah. everyone yeah. has opinions that are unpopular, that they're right. not, they're afraid. This is a question I like asking people, actually. What's an unpopular opinion you have? You know? Oh, <laughs> I love it. I love these <laughs> conversations. It's just really fun because they're like, well, well, you know, I don't like dogs or I think cats are are evil or whatever it is, you know? It's like, <laughs> it's fine. I, I don't think those things, by the way. I was just giving examples. Sorry, dog people and cat people to offend you. Um, yeah, it's amazing. So my father is a Japanese stoic man. And I'm saying this because I am very confident that if he hears this, he will be, I think he'll be proud and he will understand. So he's Japanese. A lot of people can relate to that. It's not a criticism of Japan. It's a understanding of the, the typical illustration of a Japanese man, which is very stoic, which is very thought, uh, thought out quiet, not very reactive or emotional. I think I've seen my dad get angry maybe four or five times my whole life. Wow. Yeah, I know. Like <laughs> angry. Or maybe there's times that I don't remember. I like suppressed, whatever. But mm -hmm. times I can remember being angry maybe four or five times. And so the challenge in this, as all parent-child relationships go through, especially in teenage years, was that I was resentful because he's not communicative. He's not a give and take person. He doesn't give advice. He doesn't, you know, do the typical things that a, an American father, for example, might do, like teach you how to ride a bike and go get your braces and, and all this stuff. He did play baseball with me. That's true. He very much played baseball with me, but I have this, these concepts and expectations of what a father should do and shouldn't do. And the reality is that he, to my perception was rather absent, even though he was in the home, like you're saying, Kathy, he's in the home, but feeling like he's absent from what I'm going through and experiencing, especially as a teenager. And so I had to go through this internal uh, kind of frustration and anger towards him. And then after I became an adult, this is actually more recent in the last four, four years, two to four years, I have been, I realized that the, the source of love that I had in my life was primarily my wife was a woman and she was the only person I went to for in times of difficulty when I was going through hard times I would go to my wife she was the default now there's two problems with that even though it sounds nice and amazing this is a trap that 99% of couples fall into it sounds nice but there's two problems with this number one she's not a man so she doesn't really understand the nuances of a man's struggle the struggle as a father that I've had to grapple with my own uh, imperfections and mistakes. And as a husband, the hard things that I've had to do, she doesn't really get it. She hasn't been through it, understandably, right? The second reason this is not good is because 
if you only have one person as your primary source of love and grace and connection, it can very quickly fall through because what if that person's having a bad day, right? What if she's having a bad day? And many times she has. And so that's when you have, I call it two zombies eating each other where you just are not, you're just trying to eat each other as zombies and it's just not working because you're zombies. You need, you need real live brains, not zombie brains. And so, <laughs> and another reason it doesn't work is because my wife is, she's also going through her own process of learning how to receive God, experience God in her life. And I'm not able to give it to her because I'm not receiving. Like I'm not being filled up, so to speak, myself. So how can I give it to her? And so we're like two zombies, just like at, at each other. And this is this is why couples fall apart. This is it. It's <laughs> because they're not able to receive love in their lives and connection and bring that into their relationship. So this is where my father comes in. I realize that this is not working in my marriage. I need to find mentorship, perspective, guidance. I need men. And I told this to my wife too. You need women. I need men because this isn't yeah. working. We're going to be unhappy our whole lives if we continue to do this. Mm -hmm. You need women. I need men. So the first person I started talking to is my dad. And the thing is, my concepts about my father is like, oh, he's Japanese. He won't understand. He's all these things came up. Like, I know a lot of people here listening are going to say the same thing. So like, my mom's Japanese. She like, I can't relate. So I put all that aside. And I was like, this is stupid, stupid justifications that's stupid and so i put all that aside and I said i'm going to create the relationship with my dad that i want that i need i'm going to make it even though it's not there yet i'm going to create it and so i started talking with my dad we started off doing every week like i would call him on the phone even though he lives 30 minutes from me i would call him on the phone just to chat and say hey this is what's going on this week i struggle with this i was stressed because of this overwhelmed because of this i felt upset because of like this kind of stuff and he listens and he just listens 30 minutes, 20 minutes, easy, done. Changed my whole week, changed my whole week. And so I do, did this enough to the point where I felt like I was a man. Like I was seeking, I was, how do I say this in a kind way? I was ah, detracting myself, disconnecting from my wife in a way, not from my wife, but from what I didn't need and connecting to what I really did need was male brothers, a father. And I created that relationship from not so good to, I feel really confident now. And I brought that back into our relationship with my wife so that I feel at peace with myself as a man. And my wife is doing the same and she feels at peace with herself as a woman. And as you do that, you become more feminine, you become more masculine and we attract each other. That's how magnets work. And so when we're together, it's like, we don't, we want to be together now. We want to be in the presence of each other because there's no more like pointing out like, oh, you need to be like this. You need to change. It's just like, I'm good. I'm good as a, as a person. I'm whole. I think this is actually what it means to be a complete or quote unquote, perfect first blessing person is individually you're whole. Individually, you don't, you don't, you're not needy. Individually, I'm complete. Individually, I can, I can feel God in my life and experience love and I can give love. And so what happened is my wife and I individually become whole and we come together and it's like, oh, we like being each other. Whoa, magical, congratulations. And we like attract to each other and we have stories to tell about our conquests as a man and as a woman, we have stories to tell each other and it's exciting. And this hasn't been in, until the last two to four years, honestly. And so this has changed my life. 
actually completely. I started talking with my brother more on a more regular basis, my older brother, mm. Sammy, a lot of you guys know him. Yeah. And I started do, going camping with my bros. I have three friends I have in my area that I grew up with in our, in our faith. Mm. And we go camping every once in a while. And just like you were saying earlier, we sit around a campfire and we talk about what's going on, updates in our life. Mm-hmm. We get deep. And here's the thing. We don't go, oh, Benji, it's so hard. I know. Sorry, I'm not trying to like make <laughs> women or anything like that. I'm just, that's just my default persona. <laughs> it's like, oh, Benji, it's so hard. I'm so sorry. It sounds hard. I know he's a piece of garbage. You should leave it. No, none of that. <laughs> it's like, they're like, dude, come on. This is what they say. Like, like you can do better. You can do right. better than that. Yeah. <laughs> you need to change. You have that going on? Come on. Like that. We push each other. We challenge each other. That's men. That's what we do. We compete to see who is the best man. <laughs> the better men. And it's beautiful. And so I think all men have people like that in their lives. We just don't utilize them. This is what I've learned for many, many years of doing uh, like addiction consulting and uh, like work with High Noon is that people just don't tap into the relationships that already exist. And we have all these reasons like, oh, I don't have friends. I don't have people. It's like, Really make those relationships, make it work. You just don't tap into them. So even recently, this might uh, hit home for some people. I was feeling so overwhelmed with life. This was just in the last few months. I was stressed. I was in the process of like thinking about buying a house and going through like the, all that stuff, like whatever. And then I was just, I was driving and I was, I, I couldn't breathe anymore because I was so overwhelmed by everything. And my, my breathing became very shallow. This never happened to me before. I don't know what it is. I don't know. It's all first time ever. I started breathing very shallow. And then I stopped breathing for like a good 10 seconds. Like stopped breathing. I was like, oh my God. So I pulled over, got out of the car and I just like sat and I was like, I can't breathe. And so I stood up because I knew it was a physical reaction to some emotions. So I stood up and I forced my lungs to expand. I like, I like breathe in and I just forced my lungs. And I was like, something's got to change. This is not good. And this moments like these where typically people go to addiction, social media, phones, video games, squash the emotion, run away, escape. I could just get in my car and just leave. Right. I thought about it for half a second, just, just leave, go to the mountains, leave my family. But because I'm wise and I'm experienced and I have responsibilities, I texted my dad and I said, dad, can we talk? And he said, immediately, he said, call me. And then, so I called him and I just kind of dumped everything on him, overwhelmed, stress, all the stuff, organized my thoughts. And because I think he's a good dad, he doesn't, he, he doesn't mind that. He doesn't mind people coming to him and just dumping stuff on him because he's like, that's what I'm here for. You know, I think a father should be proud if their son comes to them in times of difficulty. I know I would if my son did. I would be proud if my son came to me in the hardest time, darkest times. And so I told him these challenges, uh, overwhelm us feeling. And then he kind of always says the same thing to me. He says the same stuff. He listens as a stoic Japanese man. And then he says, Benji, I'm 100% sure you'll figure it out. That's it. And it's moving to me because I know he means it. He's not fluffing. He's not just trying to make me feel better. I know he means it. He's just like, you'll be okay. You'll figure it out. 
And then I was thinking about the next day, you know, what he was saying. Well, and then I was, I just started crying because number one, I realized that most men do not have a father that would say that to them. Most men, I know this because I talk with many of them. Most men will try everything they can to run away from their father. And they're the last person they would want to go to in times of difficulty. And it is an absolute privilege to have a father that would listen to you. And so anyone listening, if you have a father that is willing to listen to you and tell you everything's going to be okay, you need to be grateful. Mm -hmm. But also recognizing that most, most men don't have that. They don't. And the second reason I was emotional about this incident is because I realized in that moment that this is how God sees everyone. Unless, especially if you don't have a father, you can know that God sees you like this. God looks at you and says, son, daughter, I know things are hard. I know. But trust me, you'll make it and you'll be okay. I'm 100% sure of it. And sometimes we need people to remind us that that's the case. And if you don't have people in your, in your life to remind you that God loves you, then you've got to find them. You need to find brothers as a man, men and women. You need to find women that are going to remind you that Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother love you. It is the most important question you will ever ask in your life. I will say this on record, guys, is this single question. How can I experience God's love in my life? It's the single most important question you will ever ask in your life, but nobody asks that question. Why? Why? Because we're distracted by stuff that doesn't matter. We are blind to what spirit world and God is telling us, what really truly matters. We are blind. All you have to do is take a second back and say, what is truly important? Love. How do I experience more love in my life? Is it going out in nature, meditating in the waterfalls? No, it's not. Principally speaking, it is through people. It's through parents' realm, siblings' realm, spousal realm, child realm of heart. That's how you're going to experience God. That is why God made people, my friends. God made people so you can experience love. And the single greatest question you will ever ask is how do I access that love? And it will change your life. It will change your life. The Uncle Banji guarantee it will change your life. Kathy, thank you for listening. Anything you want to add on to this? No, man, Benji, that was powerful. Um, that was very powerful and and so valuable for young men, even women, to hear. And I I, I don't even want to leave it at anything else besides that super important question that you reminded us. How do I access God's love? Because we're in a world full of distractions. And I think we need to just ruminate in that, yeah. uh, sit on it a little while longer, and understand where our priorities are. Um, I couldn't have said any better myself. I thought that was a powerful story that you shared with your, about you and your dad, how you overcame it, what you're working towards. Um, and for us to find, for women to connect with women, who will bring them closer to God, closer to their family, for men to do the same, and to not be afraid to ask the tough questions as woman to woman, as man to man. How can you step up? in your role as a husband, as a brother, as a, you know, as a father, women, how can you be stepping up in your role to talk to one sister and say, how can you be a better wife? And not to be those people that will just please 
our emotions in the moment. We need to be raw. We need to be real. We need to raise each other up in our roles as men and women because we care and because we love one another and we want to have these beautiful families that can experience God's love. And we can't have anything that will stop us in that way. So we need men, we need women, we need true men and women in our lives. And I think that was beautifully put. So thank you, Benji. Yeah, it's entirely possible too. It's really not that hard. It's really not. I really recommend everyone um, join a high noon program. I really recommend that from the bottom of my heart. If you want a real strong brotherhood or sisterhood, the program is there. There's actually a program just for single people preparing to uh, for marriage, preparing for marriage. Uh, it's called Core. Go to highnoon.org. I do recommend it. Um, I do recommend you guys join the MatchNet program as well. Go to matchnet.us if you want to really get started in the matching process. But also, guys, follow this podcast uh, on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, whatever. Share it with somebody that you love and appreciate. Actually, share it with everybody. I think this is an important message. Just don't share it with my dad or my mom. And I would love you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Let's see if he, I, if I know him, he's not going to say anything. He's just going to listen to me. He's not even going to mention that he listened to the podcast. It's funny. He's really strange like that. Like, I'll just give a quick story about him. I was, I became the pastor of our church when I was 19 years old or like a senior pastor. He was a pastor for more than 15 years of that church. Okay. So you can imagine 15 years, more than 50 years pastor, and then passing the baton to his son at a, as a 19 year old. Mm. Wouldn't you expect there'd be a little bit of like, Hey son, let me teach you how to be a good pastor. Nothing, <laughs> not even one conversation about him saying how to be a good pastor. Nothing. I was like, I can't believe this. I was just, I was just shocked. I wasn't upset. I was like, how would someone exist like this? You know? <laughs> so either he was very deliberate and just like, you can figure it out, like believed in me, or he's just completely like, I just completely oblivious to the fact that I'm 19 and I have no idea what the freak I'm doing as a senior pastor and I want some guidance. I don't know. I, maybe I should ask him, but I just think that's funny. And I always think about that. All right. Okay. Kathy. It's because he trusted you enough, Benji. All right. Maybe. <laughs> he's like Goku. If you guys ever watch Dragon Ball, he's like Goku and Gohan. He just throws his son to fight Cell. He's like, Gohan, you can do it. And, he gets, and then he gets destroyed. And he's like, oh no, that was a mistake. <laughs> That's what happened, you know? Um, uh, okay. God bless you. We love you. That's it. We'll end here. Peace, peace.